exclusive presentation from Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. We have something going on. And I, I we got to talk about this. This is very interesting to me. NASCAR going uh, street racing. In Chicago on Sunday, this is unique. It's all a part of NASCAR just embracing different, right? The clash in the Coliseum, Bristol dirt, they go back to North Wilkesboro, and this is real different. How's this going to play out? A man that will be a part of the broadcast on NBC and their coverage. We did not, uh, back in the day, Bone, try to hook him up with anybody. He was happily married when we met him. But uh, he was involved. He, he's involved in some of our hijinks back in the day. At least we tried to get he's him. That's a big reason we're still here those early days. Longtime uh, friend of ours. We're so glad to have him back on the air. Marty Snyder, NASCAR on NBC. Marty, how have you been, brother? What's going on? Mac, what's going on? I've been doing great. I've been worried about you. I've asked Bone for the last uh, week or so to make sure he's watching you after the Brandon Scoot thing. So Yeah, I took that hard. I've been worried since then about you, Mac. I'm (laughs) glad to hear your voice. I took that hard. I moved on to my next outrage. The Falcons being picked ahead of the Panthers in a division. Marty, we noticed Mac was snacking a lot and napping a lot in the afternoon, so everything's okay now with (laughs) him. I'm good. I'm good. I found comfort. Back to normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If he started to eat healthy, that's when we worry about Mac. So what do you yeah, think, Ma- Marty? You got to be. Let's just start with how you're feeling about this. Like, you've got to be pumped up, man. Like, this is something you've never covered before. It's different. It's new. How excited are you to go to Chicago and just be a part of this broadcast? Like, it's it's a daring move. I respect that, though. I'm kind of intrigued. Yeah, no, I, I've been uh, sort of pounding the table with my NASCAR executive friends that you've got to do the street course racing mm-hmm. thing. Because I get to cover them in IndyCar, right? Yeah. So there's the Long Beach Grand Prix and St. Pete. And the one thing that you will you walk away from a street course feeling is just the atmosphere is unbelievable. Just the, the fans and how they can sort of be anywhere. If you can just imagine anything, any, anything that's downtown, right? You're going to find these nooks and crannies where you can watch the race from. We just did one a few weeks ago in IndyCar in downtown Detroit. And it was basically Roger Penske's gift to the city. And he opened up all tickets for free. And there will be some spots where folks will watch the race in Chicago for free. But the atmosphere will be unbelievable. The The concerts are incredible. They've got Miranda Lambert, the Chainsmokers, Charlie Crockett. They're all playing live concerts throughout the weekend. And I, I just I can't wait for it. And the, and the funny thing is everyone who, who gets there says it's better than you even think. And nothing has really started yet. Like uh, all of our crews there, obviously, and they – they just say it just feels incredible to be downtown and, and know that there's going to be a race there. So they had the Bush clash that Mac mentioned. There was the return to North Wilkesboro uh, not long ago this season, and now Chicago, the street race. Marty, how important in your mind is it for NASCAR to continue this outside-the-box thinking and, and showcasing different forms and different ways of racing in different areas? I, I think it's incredible. Uh, it's, it's incredibly important for for them to continue it, Bone, because I, I think I think just thinking outside the box, doing different things, uh, being willing to spend the money, you've got to understand it's costing NASCAR a lot of money. And and I think to the point you're talking about, so NASCAR has said this week that 82 percent, which is an extremely high number, 82 percent of people who have bought tickets for the race 
have never been to a NASCAR race before. They sold tickets to every state in the country. I think it's like uh, 14 different countries as well. So just that, those numbers indicate to you you're reaching a completely new fan base that's never seen, you know, how many people are going to be there and just go, wow, I've never, never been around this. This is pretty cool. Uh, now, granted, a lot of it's going to be the party and the fun and all of it that's around it, but you know how it is. You guys have both been to races. Once you've been there, you go, wow, this is amazing. This is really cool. you got to kind of see it, feel it, touch it. And, and, and you know, Mac, I'm sure as a, as a kid from, you know, Maryland area, first time you went to a race, you're like, holy smokes, I never knew about this. This is incredible. Once it, you're there, oh yeah, it's you, different. you become addicted to it. It's, it's a different, different experience. My, my first experience when I was down here, when I was younger, was I went to the races with Mac's college buddies. And I saw stuff I just could never forget going on before the race. <laughs> I mean, Mag, is that is your friend? Mag, your friend's napping in the grass. He okay over there? Oh yeah, he's fine. All yeah, right, well. he'll be back by race time. Sure enough, there we got him going by race time. He was ready to Mac, go. Mag, your friend's putting his face in the grill. That's all right. Those all are right. the days, man. My God, can't do that stuff anymore, Marty. I'm too dang old, man. Too dang old. Nah, Plus, yeah, it's the recovery. It's yeah. not the party. It's the recovery. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Um, Marty Snyder is with us. He's going to be a part of the call uh, on Sunday. Uh, on the air at 5, I think, right? You guys with the pre-race yeah, five stuff? Five o'clock on, five on, on Sunday NBC. on NBC. All right, very cool. Now, let's talk about how this plays out, though, because I 100%, like, I'm intrigued. It's going to have me. I'm going to be at my in-laws. My father-in-law's a huge race fan, so I know we're going to be locked into this. Um, but I am kind of skeptical about, okay, once, once you, they get out there, how does it work out with stock cars on a street course like that? I've already heard some drivers that are already, you know, expressing some, you know, concern about the track and stuff like that. What do you think it's going to be like? Are we going to have chaos like we've had at some road courses at times? Is that what we're going to get? What, what do you, how do you think it plays out when they actually get out there? Well, to be honest, some sort of team chaos anyway. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of chaos in terms of the race. And I think it's going to be a large, you know, it's going to be very unpredictable what's going to happen. In the race, you know, Kyle Busch told me it's just going to be survival. I mean, that's that's going to be the bottom line. The track is very narrow at at spots. Um, you know, the track it, it, it they will have some some good speed. I think you know, in sim drivers are getting like to 130 on the on the front stretch there, which is the longest part, uh, longest stretch of the of the racetrack. So you'll see some speed, but you'll see some very tight corners, and that's how it always is with street course racing. You know, you that's just you know when you're downtown. You know, you imagine any downtown, you're going to have a lot of 90 degree corners and that's how it is. in in downtown Chicago and they're racing on, you know, you know, if you've ever been there on Michigan Avenue, Lakeshore, all the famous places you've yeah. seen, Grant Park, you know, uh, Buckingham Fountain, that's where our Peacock Pit box, box will be. So they're going to race on all the famous streets. So it's just very tight when you're going through a downtown uh, part of the racetrack and or downtown, you know, sections. And that's what the problem's going to be. If there's a problem spot, it's going to be these narrow areas where it's going to be tough to get two cars through there, and you're going to have to get single file. But it's no different than any other street course. That's just how it is. The different surfaces are going to be a big a big thing. You know, you can only smooth out the racetrack so much. Bumps will be a big thing. So you're going to see drivers absolutely having their hand full. You're going to see people getting into each other. And I, I'm not sure, Mac, that first is where I want to be on the last lap because – I think if you're close enough and you're second, 
you could easily move someone out of the way and yeah. win a race and just go, hey, sorry, you know, it was for a win. <laughs> it was for, for the first ever street course win, and the majority of NASCAR fans would go, that was awesome, and you, they won't be mad at you. Yeah. I, I, this is going to be interesting. There's no. I'm just. I'm glad they've done it. Whether whether however it plays out, bone however it's received. Right. Like they are thinking they're outside trying, the though. box. They're trying something that and, matters. Yeah, and they're going to give us something different. No, Marty, I, the uh, the NBC coverage for you guys started last week in Nashville. What's a what's a storyline or two the rest of the way while you guys have the coverage that sort of intrigues you the most. Well, I think Ross Chastain obviously winning in Nashville was a huge thing. I mean, there was all the talk after Rick Hendrick called him out at Darlington. And, and, you know, was he, you know, losing his edge a little bit? And did Justin Marks tell him to slow down? Justin Marks, his team owner, never told him to slow down. He told him, hey, you're, you're kind of out of mulligan. Stop wrecking people. Yeah. And he figured out a way to make it, make it happen. And he figured out a way to make it happen in, in dominating fashion and and not making people mad. He just did things the right way, if that makes sense. And so I think Ross Chastain, how good can he be? I'm interested to see Hendrick Motorsports. They were so dominant early in the year. Our guy William Byron from Charlotte right here, you know. Uh, yeah. He was so good early in the year, and they've been okay in Kyle Larson since then. So how good will they be? But I think the biggest storyline still is in Hendrick Motorsports. Can Chase Elliott make the playoffs? You know, I don't know. They, they would the math would tell you there's a points path that he doesn't have to win. I disagree with that. His crew chief Alan Gustafson disagrees with that. They all think we have to win one of the next nine races to make the playoffs. So that's going to be interesting to watch. You know, Chase is so good at road courses. Obviously, he's been you know got a ton of wins at road courses, and there's three of them left on the schedule starting this weekend in Chicago. He's got Indianapolis. You got Watkins Glen. So there there are there are chances there for Chase to be able to go get that win. But does he make the playoffs? NASCAR's most popular driver. You know, I think a lot of fans would love to see him in the playoffs. Uh, they, I believe they have the speed to make the playoffs, so that's going to be the biggest storyline for the next nine weeks heading into the playoffs. It's going to be fun, man. Everybody watch Marty and the NBC crew. A bunch of great dudes, man. Burton, Junior, Latart, that whole Crick Allen, that whole crew. Um, uh, we'll be watching. Thanks for joining us. I will say, Marty, I was a little disappointed you did not grab a piece of that watermelon post-race and just start, <laughs> just start chomping on it while you were interviewing uh, Ross. I know, I know. I let, I leave that up to Ross. I'll let him have his watermelon. Dude, thing. That's when, his thing. when he went into the crowd and fed them by hand watermelon to grown adults, <laughs> I was dying. Well, I mean, I, I was dying, man. That dude's a trip. Great right. celebration, though, wasn't it? It was. He's a trip, man. As much as he makes me mad when he takes my guy out, like, he is so entertaining. <laughs> you can't deny it. All right, brother. Thanks, Marty. Have fun in Chicago, man. All right, be well, boys. There you go. Marty Snyder, NBC, 5 o'clock for the pre-race. They'll be racing in the evening on the streets of Chicago. Multiple people pointing out how much, how intrigued they'd be by a street race in uptown Charlotte. Could you imagine the stoppages, though, when the light rail, the light rail goes by, though? Where the, <laughs> yeah, it's going to keep that running. The, it comes down, they have to wait there. <laughs> people going past on scooters. Kyle Busch takes a guy out on a scooter in uptown Charlotte in the uptown race. Like Larry Mack saying, now, you got to be careful because if you hit a man, on a scooter, NASCAR's going to bring you in. Yeah, it's a stop-and-go penalty. You hit a guy on a scooter. Oh, God. <laughs> Uptown Charlotte Street Race. I'm in, baby. Now, we seem to have some backup on 77 right now. <laughs> oh, I don't God, know why they're racing on 77 and Uptown, oh, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. a whole, it's a whole event that we got going oh, on. I'm in for that, baby. Finish line, trade and try on. I'm so in. 
listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Let's go ahead and play the game, Fiddy. Fired it up. Strong take or strong toe? Were you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm loco? loco? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. What did you say? Boy, you must be outside your mind. What you talking about, what? Are you laughing at the intro or the text messages that we're getting? Yes, but the the, the intro had me going at first because uh, I forgot that you had Herman Boone in here. Mm-hmm. I, I I haven't had this one committed to memory, and I will break my foot in your John Brown hind parts, and then you will run a mile. Perfection. First one, Fitty. Saw Nick Friedle of ESPN put this on an article talking about the most impactful free agent acquisitions for each franchise since 2010. Nick Friedle said Gordon Hayward. So I ask you this, Fiddy, is it a strong take or a strong toke to say Gordon Hayward was the most impactful free agent signing for Charlotte since 2010? I think I'm going to go with strong toke because what is it culminated in? Al Jefferson at least led the Hornet or led the Bobcats slash Hornets to the postseason to a game seven uh, at one point as well. He was still on that roster when they went game seven with Miami, correct? With the playoffs, yes, he yes. was on the playoff team. Yeah, because yes. I know the one year they got swept, and then the one year they went game seven with them. So, and look, I, I thought when they brought Gordon Hayward in, I thought it was going to work out. I, I was okay with the move. You understand, you got to overpay to get these types of guys here in the Queen City. But it hasn't led to anything outside of him wearing a handkerchief shirt on the on the on the bench because he's hurt all the time. Yeah, but the hair and it's gone through a whole bunch of different phases. But the hair does look good. I don't know about the shirt. I'm with you. This is a strong toke. And I think what's happening is that you associate the Hornets with bad signings. And so you're looking at the negative side of this. And then you just automatically go to one of the bad signings they've had. Here's the problem with the Gordon Hayward acquisition. It's that it's been underwhelming. It's not that it's just been totally horrible. No, it's not good. I'm not trying to get it twisted. $30 million for a year for a guy that's often injured, it's not good. But what I will say for those that are saying the Hornets did a good job making the play in alongside LaMelo helping them and even those advocating for Miles, I've seen some texts say they got to the play in with Miles. Now they can go even further with a better roster. Okay, but also Gordon, when he was playing, helped them get there. He's just not healthy. He's a good basketball player when he is on the roster. No, it's not a good signing, but most impactful, I feel like it's more towards the middle of that. Al Jefferson gave you an all-NBA season. That's actually crazy. Think about a Charlotte Bobcat being a top 15 player at the end. This isn't one of those things where a guy got hot in the first half of a year. This was an entire season's worth of value from Al Jefferson, and that's what got him an all-NBA selection. No, he didn't play for a long time for the Bobcats, but he did help them get to a postseason series. And we can go to that one series where Al Jefferson was hurt, I think had a torn plantar fascia, 
And Al Jefferson still to this day thinks that he could have made at least a series of that with the Miami Heat at that time. It was not the Heatles. So, no, it wasn't LeBron James and Chris Bosh. You wasn't getting too crazy. I think that's interesting. Al Jefferson is the answer. I agree with you, Fiddy. I'll go first on this one. Let's reference the article on ESPN we were discussing. Every NFL team ranked from their roster how much talent they have. This is without including coaching and wins and losses record, all the nuance that comes with it. This is strictly ranking each team based off of their talent. Mike Clay had them 25th. The question that I have for you is if Mike Clay calling Carolina's off-ball linebacker group the best unit on the Panthers, if that's a strong toke or if that's a strong take. I might not agree with it, but saying strong toke still seems a little far-fetched. If you're going off-ball linebacker, Shaq Thompson, I do think, has been the victim of being compared to Luke Keekley, John Beeson, Thomas Davis, Dan Morgan, and so we've undervalued him. No, he's not going to be a pro bowler, but I think we've undervalued him. Frankie Luva was just downright a bad man last year. It didn't matter what you asked him to do. He could intercept the football, even if he dropped one. But he could intercept the football. He can go after the quarterback with the sacks that he was able to rack up. Also, the tackles. And if you want to, Wes isn't here, so I'm going to throw him a bone. If you wanted to include Brian Burns in this list, <laughs> off-ball linebacker, then maybe he's right. I don't think it's a strong toke, even if I disagree with it. I think it's an even take and an even toke. Cause I can't. Cause I. What does it even toke look like? I. Just not. Just an easy, smooth. All right, easy, smooth toke is what you're saying. It's 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 like what? A, just imagine what Shroppy looks like in the morning. That's an even toke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty. Shroppy always looks like that, man. Every <laughs> single time I see him. So because I'm with you, like I, I I don't think it's accurate, but I also don't think it's it's is 100 false. Like. I, I think their best lot, their best unit is their offensive line because of how much talent and depth they've got on that on that unit. But I, I also wouldn't go, to, you know, I wouldn't be in there on that take either. Mm-hmm. So that really hurt, by the way. Yeah, it sounded like it hurt. You had a deep <laughs> breath that you took. Um, all right, the next one. We're going to go back to the Hornets. Brandon Miller's presence on the roster will lead Charlotte to moving on from Miles Bridges. How big of an impact do you think this has, Fiddy? Is it a strong take or toe? Mm. I don't know what that sound was. I'm going to say I'm going to say a strong take because I think I think I don't think they necessarily want him back. I think they may feel like they might need to bring him back just from a roster standpoint, maybe. But if if if, if there's like because if you drafted Scoot, I think Miles is going to be back 100% for sure. But you drafted Brandon Miller. He can do a lot of different things for you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'll go strong take. I think it's a strong take as well. I'm not sure that this is going to be the sole reason that you would move on from Miles. But if new ownership does have a say in this, and they are telling Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak, guys, you're not about to be the lead governor anymore. We're going to have to take care of this. And we don't want to spend a ton of money on bringing back Miles Bridges. Plus, we just drafted Brandon Miller, who we want to create playing time for anyway. And so if the owners are thinking that, and mind you, Bobby Marks came on these airwaves and said, free agency is harder when ownership is changing hands than the draft is. That's something you have to consider. I don't think it's a strong toke. I think there is something to that, especially with the new ownership group about to take over. I think it's a strong take. Next one. Domingo Herman's perfect game is more impressive 
than Otani's two home run, 10 strikeout game earlier this week. Something that's only been done 24 times in history, Fitty. And I'm telling you that it's a strong toke. No, it is not more impressive than what Shohei did. Yeah, perfect game. It's crazy. But you know what is more impressive than a guy throwing a perfect game that is largely predicated on luck, too? A lot of it is, at least. It's the fact that this guy is doing something that hasn't happened since the mound moved back. Shohei Otani doing something that we haven't seen since maybe Babe Ruth, and even then he wasn't doing what Shohei Otani is doing at the same time. I'm going to go with Shohei as the guy that's more impressive and gave you the more impressive outing, yes, even with the perfect game taking place just last night. I'm not going to disagree with you. I think it's a strong took as well. Look, what Herman did last night was historic. It's only the 24th time you've seen a perfect game tossed in the history of Major League Baseball. But everything that Otani is doing is transcending reality and what you should do on the diamond as a baseball player. We've seen people throw perfect games. We haven't seen people hit two home runs and strike out was it eight guys, ten guys in, in, in the same contest. And also, maybe this is, isn't fair to Herman. Um, Shohei's more fun, and he's not a New York Yankee. It's <laughs> <laughs> one way to look at it if you're a Mets fan, 100%. I, I've got one for you. Okay. Um, Mac and Bone were discussing yesterday about the NL MVP race. And Bone claims that the NL MVP race is already over and that Ronald Acuna Jr. has already won the award and is wrapped up for the rest of 2023. Is that a strong take or is it a strong toke? Because there's a guy in Miami that is actively chasing, hitting 400, and we're in the third week of June. Sometimes we need to take up for Wes, who's not here. And so I'm going to try to provide that persona for you. We have 357 games left in the regular season. There's still plenty of time for somebody to overtake it. It's a very much so sports landscape of what have you done for me lately. If somebody has a strong last two months of the regular season, plus there's going to be the added narrative of a possible performance leading a team to a playoff spot, coming back from the depths in some of these division races, people are going to assign value to that. So it is not wrapped up. Even if you have incredible seasons, an incredible season from someone like Ronald Acuna, I don't think it's wrapped up. I did want to get this one in there real quickly. Betty, you tell me Ryan Seacrest is a good replacement for Pat Sachak on Wheel of Fortune. Uh, Will Fortune can't even talk as a host. You tell me, good take or good toe? Strong take. You See, like Ryan Seacrest? Oh, big fan of Seacrest. When you can host what American Idol New Year's Eve parties and the <laughs> and, and the list of people performing have gotten worse and worse over the years. He's a natural. He is good at everything he does. Wow. Well. Um, and I think it'll be a much more seamless transition than what we've seen on Jeopardy. Ken Jennings is great. He's good. No, no, don't you do it. Ken Jennings is phenomenal. Yes, he's awesome. He's phenomenal. He's done a fantastic job. The quick quips that he has to come up with on the fly. It's why I was talking with Kyle about this when he came in talking about that news when we were transitioning shows. I do think Pat Sajak is one of the best hosts in anything. 
you can throw any media outlet, you can throw any medium at me. Sechak and what he had to deal with with some of those lame contestants that would come in and provide updates on their life, and he'd be like, well, okay, we'll move on now. <laughs> I thought he was hilarious. And so the fact that after 40 years he's moving on, I'd like something a little more refreshing than Ryan Seacrest. I don't know if we're getting that. What you got for me, Fiddy? Why are you reacting the way you are? I just I just saw a text that a 40-40 year is better than batting 400, and I, 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 and I think that's a strong toke. The Spaceman. We haven't seen him since 1941. But power and, and dude, matters, though. And, dude, Gwen didn't do it. Like, Bonds didn't do it. And, like, and like dude, Bonds was at a point in his career where he was only swinging, like, once or twice a game because he was getting attention to walk every other at bat. And he still didn't bat 400. All right, you have a worse problem with that take. I have a problem with Brandon and Indian Trail saying Ken Jennings is trash. I think her name is Mayum. I think that's right. Uh, is way better. I don't agree with that. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that guy's. <laughs> Brandon and Indian Trail and the Spaceman. It's uh, yeah, if you're spacey a little bit, then you might be strong token. All right, we have plenty more segments to get to. We'll come back. We'll read some of your texts as well. I did want to go through a Hornets free agency guide from our guy Bobby Mark. We'll talk about that in just a moment. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Let's get the latest for the first time, and I'm excited about this. The head coach of the Charlotte 49ers, Biff Pogey, is with me on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Coach, I, I know it's the dead of summer, and you're probably trying to get some uh, R&R, so I appreciate the time, sir. It's good to make your acquaintance. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me, and nice to meet you also. Yes, sir. Hopefully, uh, with the first of many conversations, but uh, I guess I'd first ask, it's it's been a handful of months now since you were named the head coach. Uh, how's progress? How are things down the road? Well, I'm really pleased with uh, the, the players. Um, they're working really, really hard, and uh, and uh, and they've been working hard since they've gotten on campus. Uh and, you know, we brought in 52 new players um, through the portal. We've retained 52 existing players that we thought, you know, could help the football team. Um, the strength conditioning staff is unbelievable, and the young coaches are tremendous. So I'm very pleased. I mean, if there's one thing that I I would gripe um, about, it would be we need more support from the Charlotte community financially. I mean, that's really hard to get guys to write checks and um and that's actually starting to uh ruffle my italian feathers so okay i like it well and here's the thing though you you speak to something that's very true of college football right now like that's the pipeline right that's the bloodline to a successful football program those those checks have to be stroked that money's got to come in um when you say you're a little frustrated are you talking about nio collective you're talking about you know the infrastructure capital investments all of it what do you mean talking about all of it okay so i'm talking about the, the our our operating budget is somewhere around five million dollars short of the last team um the lowest team in american conference mm-hmm. and that's substantial and then then you need that you know we need that operating budget to pay coaches to pay staff to 
uh, improve our operations. Um, and and then we need NIL money to attract and retain players. We've got a really good roster. We don't get some NIL money in here. What's going to happen is people are going to uh, poach players off our roster. And, and that's just what the landscape is. That's not whether I like it or don't like it. It is a fact. What did you think of that? Because I'm, I'm sure this isn't a, a shock to you that maybe improvements needed to be made in that area. This is a program that's only a decade old. What did you think of that before you took this job? Well, I didn't know it was going to be this severe. Okay. Right. And I and I and I thought Charlotte as a community, you know, as a wealthy community, that people would want to be excited about going into the new conference and and get behind us. And we just haven't had that. We've had some. We've had some. We've had like two or three really great people that have helped us in the town. And we need significantly more than that. Uh, because, look, we're competing with, you know, we play at Maryland, we play at Florida. Um, and, you know, people schedule those games because you, quote, get paid. Well, we're not scheduling those games to get paid. We want to go down there and win. And and in our league, you know, you've got teams spending two, three times what our budget is and and also have big collectives to give the players uh, um, you know I'm not talking about these ridiculous things where guys get you know this huge sum of money I'm talking about where guys get you know a, a couple of extra thousand a month and we feel like if we can do that we can compete with anybody because it's bigger than what we're doing is bigger than than this other nonsense so and we have a good story to tell but look People vote with their feet, right? Players vote with their feet. Coaches vote with their feet. And obviously, boosters vote with their feet. So um, I'm really pleased with what the kids are doing, what the coaches are doing. Um, and and by the way, we're baked in right now. So like our season's baked in. Right. Whether they step up to the plate or not, is it, we're baked in. And, and the problem is, is that, you know, will we be baked in for for for? for the year after that. So that's kind of where we are. Biff Hoji, head coach of the Charlotte 49ers. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Look, I want to talk about your team, but I think you'd probably even acknowledge that most coaches, and I have a lot of coaches come on this show, Biff, that they don't say what you just said. Now, not everybody's in the same position, but they don't come out and say what you just said about you know lack of support, needing those, ca- those checks to be cashed. What were your expectations coming in? What kind of program did you see when you took this job that made you think, yeah, I can win here, I can succeed? Well, what I saw was a combination of things, right? So starting with the city. Um, you know, the city's a very wealthy city. It's attracting tremendous amounts of businesses every day because it's the banking capital of, uh, of basically of the world. Sure. Because it's banking capital of, uh, of the United States, which is the largest economy so de facto of the world. So businesses go where there's financing. Plus, North Carolina is unbelievable uh, business-friendly state. Um, so there's, there's great momentum there. There's a lot, because there's a lot of businesses uh, and, and huge businesses and businesses moving in all the time. And I don't mean like, you know, a small business. I mean, very big businesses are moving in and headquartering here. Um, you have a lot of wealth in the community. And, and I saw a great school, you know, 30,000, kids and it's a beautiful campus if you if you've been there oh yeah it's remarkable and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful campus it's a really good school i mean we have so many great 
um, disciplines at the school. I mean, the school is, it is outstanding. It's an, you can come there and get the best education on the planet and so many things that matter today, like, you know, computer technology, math, engineering, um, uh, information technology. All these things are uh, the sciences. These, this is where the, the future is and where the country is, 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 is in great need of graduates for those things. So our graduates get jobs in our city because they're, they're well-educated in the disciplines that matter that businesses need. And so, um, that was very exciting. Um, I really thought that, um, you know, the president of the university, she, she was, she'd been around. I mean, she was ahead at Toledo, uh, president Toledo when they turned that program around she was at Nebraska for two national championships. She was at Auburn for a for a shared national championship, and she loves football and wants to be good and understands what it is and what it can do for the pro, for the school. Um, and um, you know, Mike Hill has the same. He's our athletic director. He has the same vision. And hey, these guys are going from conf, three and nine in Conference USA to the American Conference, which is the new Power Six Conference. So in two years, if you win the American, you get an automatic bid in the the new group of 12, right? The the, the new, there's no power five anymore. It's a a power six because you get six automatic bids. So uh, this was very exciting. And I put all that together and thought, you know, Charlotte's a fast-growing, big-market town. They got everything. Pro football, pro basketball, pro this, the best arts, the best business. One thing they don't have is a big time Division One football team, and there, I would and I came under the assumption that we really want that, and the people in the city want it, and they understand the importance of it, and um, so that's where we are now, and we're going to give it to them in the fall. I can tell you that we got a good team, like the team. If the team doesn't perform well, it's my fault, and and they should fire me right at the end of the season. I like it. Uh, now, Biff Pogey, head coach of the Charlotte 49ers, he's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You talked about the, the roster turnover. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of roster turnover. W- when I watched this team last year, I, I think, honestly, it was the William & Mary game, and you watch tape better than I do, but it was at that moment that I realized that the talent level is not where it should have been on that roster, especially in the trenches. What did you identify, and how much closer do you think you are to being at the talent level required to compete in the AAC? Well, one of the one of the of the big knocks when I got hired was people said, "Hey, the Charlotte staff didn't recruit Charlotte." So we've divided North Carolina up into ten regions, but we've also divided Charlotte up into ten regions. Wow! So each one of our coach has a region, and we we just I, and I can't speak names because it's against NCAA rules, but we've just gotten a massive commitment from a guy that I think is the the best offensive lineman in the state, and he's from Charlotte. And um, we're starting to get a lot of traction. We just got a four-star running back. We got a four-star cornerback. And and look, the roster, look, coaches don't win games. They just don't. Players win games. That's it. It's that simple. And you got to have players. So we needed to get bigger and more physical and more experienced up front on offense and defense. And the way we built the team was we were going to get really good on the defensive front seven and in the back. Wanted to play great defense. Wanted to be able to 
be strong and physical at the offensive line and the tight end and the fullback rooms. And we needed running backs and quarterbacks. And we got all that in the portal. And um, in addition to some of the guys we kept, again, we didn't plan it this way, but it was actually 52-52. But that means we had to, you know, move on to quite a number of kids and, um, you know, try to find them new homes. And Because, look, football's too hard if you're not going to play. It's just too hard a sport if you're never going to play. So um, we had to do – we're going in a league that's an excellent football league, excellent players, top-notch coaches, and, you know, it was either do what we had to do or take a risk of, you know, having a horrendous run at it. Biff, last thing. Again, I'd like to talk to you a lot more going forward. Obviously, we're right here in Charlotte, but I know it's uh, you know kind of a slow time for you, so I don't want to keep you too long. The HBO cameras, you've done this before. Um, it, it helped build your brand. It, it showcased your talents as a coach and uh, told some great stories about your team at, at St. Francis. How does that benefit the Charlotte 49ers? How does that help you sell this program? What are you hoping you get out of it? That's probably worth $50 million in branding a year. Wow. Because if you're on every week for 12 or 13 weeks, that is just, how do you, I mean, you can't afford to pay for that. And so we think it'll give um, the country a great insight into our players, into our coaches, into the culture of our program, and into our university. So um, we think it's really important. Biff, can't thank you enough for the time. Hope to do it again soon. Enjoy the rest of your uh, your summer. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you, Biff Pogey, head football coach. Charlotte 49ers with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.